With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The rewarding part of winning eight, nine games in a row and playing well, as you kind of remember when shit wasn't going right and it was frustrating. And it makes times like this feel a lot better when we're having some fun um, and we down 10 and a half and we figure it out, come back and win. Those early struggles, you know, kind of make days like this feel a little bit better. And I think still having the, uh, you know, the awareness of, you know, we're still a long way from where we, Hope to be, but you know, I think everybody can see we're going in the right direction. We ain't win a championship. Like today didn't make or break the season. I'm gonna tell y'all I told y'all so when we win a championship one day. But until then, you know, anything less than that is is like just, you know, the process of getting there. All right, welcome to another episode of the Causeway Street Podcast. My name is Joel Pavone, and it's a two-man show today. Two-man weave. Got the two-man weave. <laughs> Our guest host, a regular here on Causeway Street, my man, Mr. Zach Pelican. What's going on, brother? Not too much, my man. How you, how you been? It's, it's been a little while. I feel like the last time we talked Celtics and we were talking about this, this green team that we love so much that... Uh, Things weren't feeling so hot. It wasn't wasn't quite the best feelings we were getting a little bit before Christmas. A little, uh, yeah, a little, <laughs> little, little turmoil, huh? A little like, uh, what's 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 going to happen here? <laughs> but yet, but yet, yeah. still at that at that time, if I'm not mistaken, I think they were still like four or five games out of first place. <laughs> so it was like there's some light at the end of the tunnel here. Here we are, a couple months later, eight game winning streak, yeah. all right? Six right now in the East, so they're out of that playing, you know, territory for for the mm-hmm. time being. Uh, two games out of uh, fifth place. Yep, and they're playing the fifth place team tonight and Philly. Yes. So it doesn't get any, it doesn't get any better than this. you can't you can't have scripted this any better when it comes to the Celtics and and, and the post trade deadline, right? So let's yes. let's let's begin right there. Trade deadline. It's coming gone. A lot of new, well, a lot of bodies left. <laughs> not, that many, yeah, yeah. not that many bodies came back. <laughs> the Exodus, right? Let's talk about let's talk about Derek White. Um, small sample, two games so far under his belt as a Celtic. What do we think about him so far? I mean, I, I'll tell you what. I, I so far from what I have seen, I've really liked what I what I've seen. I you know he's a guy that you know we've had. I'd hate to say it, but minimum exposure to being a, a Western Conference guy the last couple of years. And, um, you know, I, I honestly have not tracked him all that closely. You know, he's a player that's kind of been on the periphery of my vision for a while now. And I kind of figure between him and uh, De- Deontay Murray over in, um, in San Antonio, that was going to be the core that they built into. So I never really thought of him as a trade possibility. But I'll tell you what, with Yudoka's past, coaching him on Team USA in San Antonio, 
And, and with Brad Stevens being kind of this uh, second generation uh, Greg Popovich, really, really, it's and it's really early, but it feels like one of those deals that we might be looking back on a couple of years from now, saying they knew more than we gave him credit for. <laughs> because right now, he seems to me to be one of those guys that they're going to be able to plug into this team, and he's going to fit seamlessly. And he really has the first two nights. And really, he hasn't played out of this world. He's played well, but he hasn't played out of this world. And even in the small sample size, the Celtics stars and the Celtics core, if you want to call it that, the core four, have not had to change anything. It's been the, They've been able to play exactly as they wanted to, and they've had Derek White playing his game that has really seamlessly come right into into this roster and, and come right into this team. And it's worked out really well. And um, you know, the, the one thing that I can compare it to is when we saw Gordon Hayward playing his best ball two years ago, before you know, after the injury, uh, after the uh, departure of Kyrie Irving on all that. The bubble season. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah the season that they were able to get to the, the Eastern Conference Finals. Hayward was a player that kept the offense moving, kept the ball moving. And in the limited time we've seen from White, he might be the guy to kind of bring that back a little bit. I've really liked the way that he moves the ball. Not quite, you know, I mean, we're not talking about a guy who's going to be a 25, 30 point a night guy. But we're talking about a guy who's going to get you that 15 or 20 quietly, not going to need to take over the offense to get it. But will when things go bad and you're not scoring and, and, and the ball, the ball isn't fine, the bottom of the net, he's going to work it around on the offensive end. Not to mention, it's a really solid defender on the perimeter as well. You know, being able to work with Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. It seems like he's going to be a really good fit. It's early, but he seems <laughs> like he's going to be a really good fit. I'm, I'm liking what I've seen so far. Yeah, timing is always uh, is always key when, when it comes to um, chemistry, right? In, in terms of trying to add yeah. a piece or subtract a piece. In this case, subtract many pieces. Um, <laughs> Half your roster. I'm going to be, yeah, I'm going to be honest. At first, <laughs> you know, I liked that no one was talking about Derek White, right? And I was like, okay. Like, I heard the name, and I was like, I like his game. Um, But I was curious to see how it was going to fit in. And I thought maybe he'd be uh, similar to, like, a Marcus Smart because he's, like, a, you know, 6'4 guy. He can can defend multiple positions. But uh, my initial reaction was, "Mm, I thought too much went went out. Um, When it came to Richardson, I felt like he was very solid to come off your bench. Yep. Romeo, I mean, I kind of gave on Romeo, to be honest, a little sooner than than, than most. Yeah. Um, I think he'll be able to develop more, obviously, in San Antonio. That team is uh, rebuilding, clearly. Then you got the, the, the draft pick, this year's draft pick, and then a, uh, a 2028 <laughs> draft pick. Yeah, I know. A 28 swap option, which the, I'll, I'll be honest, of all of the pieces that win in that deal, that's the one part that I was like... I don't know if I like that because that's one of those that it's so far in the future. There's nobody on this team under contract in 2028. (laughs) So you have no idea what this team's going to look like. There's nobody on the, I don't think there's anybody under contract for 2027. I think 2026 is probably as far down the road. I don't think anyone's looking at 2028 right now. You have no idea what the team's going to look like. And theoretically, if you were to project out, usually rebuilds take about three to five years. So you'd think San Antonio would be pretty good by then. But all considered, <laughs> I mean, if you're if you're trading away a pick that, or you're trading away a swap option that never even happens because that's yeah. not that's a possibility. They may never even swap. They may never even use it. Yeah. Or you're talking about a difference of a couple of picks. No big deal. Now Boston and and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and the core four and whatever you do over the next couple of years does not become competitive and you're not a playoff team in 2028 or worse that might come back then, to then we yeah we could be talking about this a little bit in a few years but <laughs> i mean ultimately i thought it was a shrewd move and i mean honestly this trade deadline for for brad stevens listen we've spent the last half decade every year trade deadline comes up we talk about a bunch of different people, and Danny Ainge says, I just wasn't there for us. Yeah. This was a year where we saw Brad Stevens at his first go-around say, you know what, F that, 
The team's not playing the way that I want them, though they've been much better after the new year, which I'm sure we'll talk about in, in a few minutes. But, you know, he looked at this roster and said, this is not what I think this team is going to be. It's not constructed the way I needed to in order to be able to get to where we want to go. And he was aggressive. He was aggressive. I mean, like I said, who thought we could get a player at the deadline, the caliber of Derek White? You know, yeah. not that we're talking about a superstar, but still a guy that can absolutely change the way this team plays basketball. And, you know, of course, we're going to talk about DT at some point. But at the end of the day, the big, I'm, the, getting the there, big, I'm getting there. Yeah. <laughs> One German for another. I get it. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, but, but, but I loved it. I mean, for, for Brad Stevens, he was aggressive. He went after guys that I think he earmarked as players that could help this team immediately and you see the way that Yudoka's kind of shortened that bench the last month or so and it seems like he got guys that he says I can trust those guys I'm going to be able to put them onto that team they're going to be able to uh, you know Yudoka's going to be able to plug those guys in and we're going to have a much better result because of it and I'll tell you what White you know sticking to him I've really really liked the way he's fit and I you know even even though my initial reaction was man Two first rounders, uh, a Josh Richardson who was really starting to come no, around. I, I, he was loving this team. He exactly. was like, like his his energy was you know contagious in the locker room, and you can tell exactly. that he was having fun and whatever role you told him to be in, whether it was like at the end of games, I feel or just bad come, for you know, him. He's like, I'm 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 digging it. And you you even saw his little his uh his his uh I think it was his IG uh post after the fact, and he's just mm. like, Boss will always have a special place in my heart, and he was only here for a few months, so it's like. Yeah, you know, he was just starting to get into his groove. I felt like, but um, that was tough. Yeah, that so tough. yeah, so I, I'm I'm on that that train of, of like, you know, this could work, but maybe the Celtics might have given up a little bit too much for him. Again, so far so good. Fourteen and a half points in these two games. Uh, you know, five rebounds, three and a half assists. Like, and he's been playing at the end of the of, the, uh, of these fourth quarters. Yeah. So Adoka's is giving him the trust real early, real real quick. That's probably been the, the the biggest thing over this course of this winning streak that Udoka, essentially before this trade deadline, had a, a good eight-man rotation. He, he, yes. He's pretty much just stuck with his guns when it comes to that, not going so deep into his bench. But yeah. we know now who is going to be the first or second guy off the bench in the last, like, month or so. And now with the addition of White, you know now it's going to be – White probably playing with the starters at the end of the games. You know, Al Horford's still going to start. You're still going to start with the double bigs, but yep. at some point, you know, it's gonna he's going to mix it up with 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 Grant Williams, and then you know now you got you got D Tice back in the picture, back in the fold. <laughs> a legit a year after they traded his ass, <laughs> they bring him back. <laughs> Steven says that this came this deal came out the, literally at the last minute before the clock struck. You know, three p.m. last Thursday, and and. And I was like, "How many guys are going to Houston for D types? <laughs> like the all, all, all the backup centers and and, and Schroeder to boot. Like, what do, you, what, do you, what do you what do you take of this? I mean, he hasn't played yet. Obviously, I believe he he will be ready to play against Philly because uh, yep. Houston has waived uh, Ennis Cantor or Ennis Freedom. Sorry, Freedom, Freedom, <laughs> Freedom. So, <laughs> so Dita's ready to go. So what does he bring now to this squad? Well, I, I mean, he brings what I'd like to call either comfort food or familiarity, whichever you're you're more comfortable with. Um, you know, he's a guy that knows, I think, a lot of, of what this team wants to do. And, you know, he's a productive player in the league. He's He knows the Boston game. Uh, you know, obviously Brad Stevens isn't on the bench anymore, but I don't think the Celtics have changed so drastically that his game does not fit very well. What I think you've got is you've got yourself a big man who now Boston has a three-man rotation at that five that they can feel confidently uh, about at, on both sides of the floor going into the next couple of months and into the playoffs. Uh, you know, we know Daniel Tice had a budding perimeter game. Um, you know, he before he left, you know, he was a guy that he, he had a three-point shot that was starting to show up. Not that you want him shooting, a, a, you know, a ton of a three balls, but at the end of the day, he's a threat out there. Um, we know he's a rim protector. He's a guy who can defend at least two positions in this league, maybe even three. Very underrated. Uh, Very underrated when it comes to the to the rebounding yeah. and, and the and the rim protecting. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And you know, he's been a guy that I think has a familiarity with a lot of these players. So, 
you know, the, the, the nice part about Tice is I think you bring him in here. He knows his role. And really, I mean, even for the year or so that he's been gone, I mean, things really have not changed that drastically for the Celtics roster and the way that they want to play ball. So, you know, Tice, I think the familiarity is going to be a huge, huge benefit to them. Um, and he's a guy that honestly, when, when I sat down and I looked at all the possibilities for this team adding some depth in the big man position for the price that you were going to pay to get him through the door, he was probably the best bargain you could have got, you know? So I, I really do like the move for, uh, for Brad Stevens and the Celtics. I think this was the right way to go. A guy that's going to fit right in seamlessly. And I think, you know, a guy that's going to know his role seamlessly as well. So good, good fit. And I think that depth in that front court was something you absolutely need to go after. So I, I love that move. I, you know, I had a bunch of people on Twitter, of course, my, my favorite place on earth being on Twitter. Oh, of course. Twitter. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I had a bunch of people who were freaking out. They're like, oh, you should have traded Dennis uh, Schroeder for more shooting. I was like, well, <laughs> what shooter were you going to be able to realistically unload him to get that was worth having? So, you know, I, I think at the end of the day for what you gave up, yeah, it seems like a lot on paper because it's a lot of names. But at the end of the day, the quality of a Daniel Tice over what you gave away I think ultimately works out perfectly fine. So I, I was pretty happy with that deal. Yeah. So other than Schroeder and, and, and Freedom, uh, Bruno uh, Fernando was the, the, the third player in that in that deal. And essentially uh, the Celtics opened up five roster spots after <laughs> it was all said and done because Bobo, Sean's, Sean's boy, you know. Yeah, Sean, Sean, where you at? I love you, boy. And, and, PJ, and PJ Dozer were uh, also dealt away for essentially <laughs> – a uh, second rounder. <laughs> that's that's all. You get rid of you get rid of all these bodies. Oh, and five roster spots, like I said. No, now now it's down to three because uh they signed Luke Cornett and yes. and Sam and Sam uh Hauser. Doogie Hauser and the Green Cornet. I love it. To a standard contract. So you got three roster spots and potentially you're you're gonna be you're gonna be in the market for for a bio candidate, right? Or or a couple here if they want to go go that route and yep. make and make you know and make a run here towards uh, a deep playoff push. So eight game winning streak, two back to back wins when you you are down by at least double digits deficits here, and the Celtics look like the team that they were supposed to look like when this season started. Yep. A hard-nosed, gritty team on the defensive end and a team that's figured out how to climb out of adversity when they're they're down late in the game and pretty much close out the fourth quarter, which they were been struggling with yep. all season long. Do we see this continuing? You know, as the as the schedule, you know, starts to get a little get a little bumpy here when when you got a bunch of teams that are essentially, you know, a couple games apart that decide which seed you're gonna be in come down the stretch here in the regular season. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're going to see a little bit better a competition for Boston over these next couple of weeks, next couple of months. Um, they kind of got that January, February run where you had a lot of teams who you either ran into at the right time because of injury and COVID issues, or you ran into just junk teams. <laughs> they've, they've, I, I think they had a run or they have a run coming up where they play the Pistons like four times in a matter of like two Oh, weeks, yeah, yeah. They which got- is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you got the Brooklyn Nets who are playing the worst basketball of their existence going back to probably the last like three or four years, which is fantastic. Yeah, it's not um, it's not the 10-game losing streak <laughs> recently. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you're, you're playing teams at the right time. And in all honesty, while I think a lot of people, a lot of your your critical Celtics fans are going to look at that and they're going to say, well, you know, what's it really worth? What's it really worth? At the end of the day, these were still games the Celtics were losing in the front half of the season. So that to me is already saying that something has changed in their DNA, whether it has been we're more confident than we were a month ago, whether it is, uh, you know, that they figured something out, maybe you know, uh, you know, Brad and I may sat down together and they said, hey, you know what, this lineup works a little bit better than this or, you know, whatever it was, they seem to have figured themselves out a little bit. And there's an identity that started to develop here. And the really nice recent development in the last like two or three weeks is this team now where they've played well for a half or three quarters, they're still playing well enough to win these games in the fourth quarter. And that is the biggest issue that they've had all year long is that the good teams 
found their feet, uh, found their footing in the fourth quarter. The Celtics would get a little shook, and ultimately they'd abandon all of the principles that got them that lead or got them where they were. And now you're seeing this team start to get back to, and this is why I love Derek White for this team, that when things start getting difficult, you miss a couple of jumpers, you have a couple of what I like to call empty possessions where they're just going down the court, firing up a shot, you don't get any passing, you don't get any motion, you're hearing these guys saying in postgame, well, we knew to go back to the motion. We knew to move around. We knew that the spacing was bad. And you're seeing corrected on the fly. And that is a sign of, of a team to me that's maturing. You're seeing Jason Tatum take those next steps in his career. Yeah, it's been a shit year in terms of his shooting. He has not been what he was a year ago. But he is a more mature player with the passing we're seeing, with the fact that he's getting more involved defensively. He looks like a guy who is starting to realize that he he can score 50 points eight times over the course of a season, but that's not going to guarantee you're going to be playing uh, in the NBA Finals. He needs to develop the rest of his game, and we're starting to see that maturation from him. Jalen Brown, same thing, defensively, taking a step up. Jump shot's not falling on the perimeter. He's getting into the paint. You're seeing a more aggressive version of Jalen Brown. Highlight real dunks, going after other teams' bigs, trying to hang it on their heads. I love it. And 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 maybe, and I, and I know you're going to be shocked when I say this, but maybe Marcus Smart's starting to figure out what we wanted him to as well. We're seeing him passing the ball late in games, setting up the offense, setting up other guys. So it's looking like that, like you said, the version of the Celtics that we all thought was there, we haven't seen all year long. And now you're starting to see it a little bit. I, I think it, it might be a little bit of a maturation that is starting to occur with this younger group of players where these guys are starting to figure out how to win. And I think sometimes we do forget about that a little bit, that this is still a pretty young team. Their core is still pretty darn young. Uh, outside of you know Marcus, who I think is well into his uh, his prime of his career, these guys are all just getting into the prime of their careers. And you can go down the list of the great players in the history of this league, the LeBron James, the Michael Jordans, the Kobe Bryants. Well, maybe not Kobe as much, but these guys had to lose to learn to win. Yeah. And I think you might finally be seeing this team realize that, hey, what we were doing, it wasn't working. So let's shift this to try what you know either the coach is asking for or what we know will work and you're seeing more from them now. So is it sustainable the way that they've been winning recently? No, they're not going to go undefeated for the rest of the year. Oh, but at shucks, the end of the day, <laughs> for those for those Celtics fans out there who thought it was never going to end, it's going to end eventually. But I do think that this team should be a um, you know you know an above five hundred team I think for the remainder of the season and I think you should see them competitively be talking about this team maybe contending for a home seed in the first round I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's wide open this year. Okay, it's not it's not a foregone conclusion that the Nets are going to be the end all be all team right here in the Eastern Conference. Yes. Okay, and even the defending champions you know are running to some you know the injury bug right now. And, 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 and Philly, who, you know, Harden is still out for, for the foreseeable future. So, you know, if the Celtics could catch, you know, a lightning in a bottle right now and then go with that momentum going forward into March and, and April, then they got to take advantage of that big time. Um, you know, I, I agree. I agree with you with, with, with smart. I know not, not everyone is a, <laughs> is, is a fan of Marcus Smart, the starting point guard of this team. <laughs> but since he's been back from COVID slash, you know, the hammy, you know, injury that he, uh, you know, he sustained, the Celtics are 10 and one. Okay. He's averaging nearly 13 points a game on 50% shooting. Let me, let me say that again one more time. 50% shooting. Okay. 38% from three point land, six assists, nearly two steals a game. And like I said, 10 and one, right? 10 and one since he's been back. Okay. I don't think that's a coincidence. That the Celtics are picking it up. It's not just Tatum and, and Brown. It's a combination of Marcus Smart. Yeah. It's a combination of uh, the players overall buying into what Ime has been trying to sell. Yeah, you know, I don't. I don't think it was a. Uh, there was any like drastic changes. I just think that during the course of the season, there were there were some quality wins here based uh, predicated on on defense. Like I remember uh, early in the season. I think it was a near 30-point win over the Miami Heat, and they held the Miami Heat, who were all healthy during this game, to 75 points. And there was a stretch where they were holding teams, you know, below the 80s early <laughs> early on. So 
you know, to say that like all of a sudden now they've, 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 they finally turned it on or they've kindly kind of figured it out. I think it's always been there. There were spots in this in, in early on in the season where it's just like, okay, this team can play defense and yeah. score on the other, score on the other end. But now I think they've, they've figured out how to not only score the ball and maintain leads, but like if they do lose it, they don't just like, Oh, we're going to, we're going to just, you know, shoot our way back into the game. No, they're going in more. They're trying to get to the free throw line more. They're more patient. Um, you don't see as much bitching with the refs as we saw early on. That's not a distraction as much. You know, some of these teams that they beat early on in the season, quality teams, I think they know how to play against them as the season goes on. I, you know, I either the Heat, uh, the Bucks, I think they, they would match up well with the Bucks, but you know, these pesky 76ers, that's the team that they haven't been able to beat this season. And I think with the with the changes that they've made, obviously, the Celtics want to get this win, you know, tonight on a national televised uh, broadcast here. So what do you think? No Harden. Uh, the team announced that Harden is out uh, through the All-Star game, so he won't be back until after the break. How does this How does this play out? Does it affect the, the, the Sixers? You know, they lost uh, uh, Seth Curry, uh, Andrew Drummond. Andre Drummond, sorry. And, I mean, Simmons hasn't played all season, so it's not really a loss there in terms of, of uh, of a player who was who was uh, who had made a significant impact during the season, but yeah. Max is still there. Obviously, Joel Embiid is still there. Doc Rivers is still there. So, how does this play out? <laughs> I, uh, I I like it for Boston because here's the thing: you've got two guys that you added to your team. They've had a few players they've subtracted from their team, and they still haven't had the benefit of the man that they brought in. And they spent all this capital on, or all these assets on, to be able to get them to the door and uh, James Harden. So for me, I think this is one of those times where, you know, for the Celtics, it's one of those games where I think a lot of people will kind of just walk past and say, you know what, win, lose, no big deal. You know, it's not going to be a huge game changer. But this is an opportunity, I think, for Boston to kind of knock them down because this is one of those moments where they're not going to be 100%. And if you can steal one off of, of Philly, I think it's a very, very good thing for you and a very tight Eastern Conference standings. I mean, again, you go back to the Eastern Conference right now, you're talking about a, a two-game difference between you and Philly right now. And most of that's in the loss column. So, you know, I think for Boston, this is one of those games that, again, it might be under the radar right now, but this could be one of those games where if you find a way to win it, you tighten it up against them going forward. And I think there's a great opportunity to be able to maybe make up some ground uh, against Philly kind of going forward uh, for, for, for a home seed. Because here's the thing, I, th- I think Boston in the long run, getting a home seed, maybe potentially staying away from Philly and Milwaukee for that first round at least, you know, it gives you an opportunity to maybe get a little mojo going in the playoffs and gives them an opportunity to maybe win a round or two. And who knows, maybe back to the Eastern Conference Finals. So this game, I think, has has much deeper implications than than it does or, or would seem on the surface. I think they should be bringing their A game. This is definitely one that they should be trying to, uh, to, to take off of those Sixers uh, going into these last uh, couple of weeks of the season. No, I completely agree. Um, the fact that the the Celtics and the losses against Philly, they've they were winning these games, and yeah. it essentially just fell apart. And when the fourth quarter, that's usually when when you know things have 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 gone the opposite way for the Celtics. Is of course early on in the season, but good measuring stick uh, because they're playing in Philly. That's always a, a nice environment to play in, right? When it comes yeah, to right. you know, especially playing on national TV. Um, but I think if the if the Celtics really want to make a statement, you know, if, if Jason Tatum really wants to say, I told you so, you know, like, like he kind of did after the, uh, the, the Hawks win, this would be a good, this would be a good time to do that. Like right before the break, go in, you know, with the, with, with, with the mentality that this is the monkey that you want to get off your back, you know, a division rival and that you're you essentially could meet up in the playoffs with. So yeah, you want to, you want to feel good. You want to, you know, uh, get a, get some sort of mental edge where, wherever you can find it. Yeah, for sure. And I, not, not to steal Sean's bit, but I mean, the look ahead, I mean, this might be the best team, team, and in, in, in finger quotes here, that you're going to play, I mean, probably right into the middle of March. I mean, I, you got a tough game against the Grizzlies coming up in a couple of weeks. But outside of that, I mean, you've got several games, several very winnable games if you're the Celtics. And this might be the one where you can say, okay, this is the challenge. Let's go win this game. It's a 
uh, you know, a division rival. It's a conference rival opportunity to really be able to kind of put a stake in the ground and say, we're for real right now. So, you know, I think they should be taking this one very seriously. And it's a good opportunity for them to kind of prove themselves to where they really are right now. Uh, guys like Derek White, a new addition, uh, and then guys like Marcus Smart, who've been playing some of the best basketball he's been playing, in the, you know, potentially in his entire career lately. So who knows? Yeah, right now the Celtics have the longest winning streak currently in the NBA. Uh, I can't stress that enough. Yeah. <laughs> Eight wins in a row. Right now, looking at the standings, as, as we're recording this podcast, the Celtics, as the sixth seed, are only two games out of third place, two and a half games out of second place, and then four and a half games out of first place. So it's not a complete farce that the Celtics can, can go up in, you know, in the, one of those, you know, top four seeds and, 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 and have a, a home court, you know, first round matchup here. Not at all. That's the tough part about the Eastern Conference right now is that it's just so damn tight that you, you can't even really plan what your seating looks like as you go into it. So could it be the Sixers? Could it be the Bucks? Could it be Miami? You know, you don't know. You really don't know. So every win to get yourself that home court advantage because it's still there. Believe it or not, the one of the worst first halves of, of a season that I've seen in years from the Celtics, and they could still get a home court seed. And this is one of those games that I think you really got to look at it and say that's an opportunity for us to get there. That's the type of opponent you got to beat to get there. So very, very important. I mean, I mean, Cleveland is 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 even in the picture here, <laughs> yeah. and like they they they're, they're for real. They're they're for real this year. But that's uh, I don't yeah. know how. I mean, I don't know how. That's another one of these teams that the Celtics, you know, they've they've gotten quality wins over that yep. a lot of uh, Celtics fans are concerned about when it comes to, you know, possibly facing in in in, in the playoffs. Obviously, you don't want to count Brooklyn out, but they might be trending downwards a little further than what they would like before they might start to uh, turn the things around there. But and after the the Philly game, they got they got Detroit for <laughs> for the second for the second time in like a week before they head out to the to the All Star break. So they want to go into the break, you know, with all the momentum in the world and, and rest up and, and come back and just put on their hard hats and and, and get ready to, to 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 do the thing. Yeah, for sure. This is uh, as important an end to a month as they've had in a long time. And I think you've got an opportunity to grab a few more here. Maybe not consecutively. I think at some point they're going to cough one up. But, you know, you got a, a Pistons team you play twice in the next how many days? Like 10 days or whatever it is. And then you've got a Pacers team that is just abysmal and is, is essentially giving up on their season as well. I mean, you know, for Boston right now, I think this stretch to finish up the month the right way is is very very important and that's seeding like i said i mean this was a team that i said in the beginning of the year i don't know if it was on causeway street but i said to everyone you know what i'm i'm tasking them with being a three seed or being in the conversation for a three seed this year and even though it has been as weak as it's been they're still right there they're still right there there's light at the end of the tunnel, folks. There's light. There is light. There is the light. There's, the I didn't think there was going to be any optimism to talk about, but you know what? Uh, two weeks into February, I'm like, okay, okay, <laughs> maybe. And you th- thank the Lord for the Eastern Conference as it is. I mean, we got ourselves. We got ourselves a race. We got ourselves a race. All right, all right. I like it. Yeah. No, you're right. You got Detroit right before the All Star break. They got Brooklyn right after the All Star break, and then Detroit again. All on the road, yep. and then the Pacers. Again, not to step on, you know, Sean's toes here, but just a glimpse here only because, you know, that all-star break is, is much longer now than, than it has been in the past. Yep. So something to think about, and, um, yeah, they're going to something's going to remain on the road for the next, uh, like, week, week and a half. Mm-hmm. And they got a chance to, you know, to go up in the standings, especially if, you know, other teams are, are limping or, you know, nursing some injuries here. Yeah, it seems like everyone is too, and they're getting healthy. That was something that uh, Jason Tatum said the other night after. That's the very first thing he said. You're right. When the, yeah, the I think night. it was the, the, the Atlanta game. He was like, "Well, yeah, we're healthy. We're healthy." And you know, we. I'll be the first one to admit it. I don't think I've given them any. You know, I haven't given them any any cut any breaks because of the fact that they've had injury issues. Because I feel like most of the season, forty four out of, you know, fifty some odd games that they played so far. You've had a Tatum, you've had a Brown, you've had, uh, you know, Al Horford, you've had a lot, a, a fair amount anyway of Robert uh, Williams. And health is going to be something that everyone struggles with, but it's also timing and, you know, the timing of that health. And I think for Boston, 
do you maintain that quote unquote core four or now with a Derek Williams, uh, Derek Williams, Derek White added to the mix? Do those guys now maintain that health and availability for the rest of the year? Where some of these other teams may weather down, they may have some injuries that they may struggle with. And you, like again, you look at the schedule for the rest of the year, and I mean, you look at that list, and there's like two teams that I'm like, well, they should probably, they will probably lose those games. You got the Warriors at some point in March, and then you've got Memphis on the road, and you got Dallas on the road. So you cough up one or two of those, fine. But if they're on top of the rest of their game and they're competitive in the remainder of the season, which is not that long of a list, I mean, you start to look at it and say, okay, I might actually have a little bit of belief in this team going into the playoffs. Now, we'll see what happens in the playoffs, but um, you know, there's a lot of opportunity here. There's a lot of reason to have a good feeling about the Celtics right now, where I'll tell you what, I was the first one to say, that this team had no chance, shut it down, and start selling off everything. I was done. I was done with it. Like, right around Christmas, I was like, you know what? I don't care what Brad Stevens does. I'm out. I'm all out on this team. And they turned it around. You know, it's it's been an impressive turnaround the last month and a half. This episode of the Cosmic Street Podcast is powered by BetOnline.ag. Football might be over for the season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props, to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get started. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds. And even right to the Olympic coverage is the best in the business. From sports, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. BetOnline, the fastest, easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. BetOnline, where the game starts. Before we, uh, we, we switch gears here, any, uh, any potential uh, bio candidates that you, you might be interested in that would be a good fit for this, uh, for this current squad? Um, I'd have to, I'd have to look a little bit more into the, what the anticipated, uh, buyout market's going to look like. I think if, you know, to, to give a profile, I think that Boston is probably going to be looking for a shooter. You know, they're going to be looking for someone that you can pick up off that waiver wire. doesn't have to be a big minute guy, but someone who's going to be able to knock down a few shots. Um, you know, I think that's going to be something they probably want to, you know, do, to test the, uh, the market on. I don't think it would be a bad idea to get aggressive on maybe one more depth big as well. Um, reason being, I mean, if you think about those two positions, those two profiles on their own for Boston, you've got three bigs that we know of that we feel really good about. Obviously, Robert Williams, who's had an excellent season. Al Horford, who's about as steady a, a, a big as they've had in, in years. And then now you've added Daniel Tice. Outside of that, are you telling me that if one of those guys goes down and gets injured for a week or two, you want to be playing big minutes with Luke Cornett. Or, or you got Grant Williams, too, that's been, uh, you know, stepping it up defensively. Yeah, Grant gives you something different. You know, he's going to give you a little bit more of that, that stretch four, and he's shot the ball incredibly well this year. Uh, no, You know, no disrespect there. But, you know, for your true bigs outside of a guy who's a little bit more of a stretch player, you know, I, I think that you may want one more. But bring, bring, bring back Anise Freedom, I guess, right? I know, <laughs> right? I hear he's got, he's got, you know, he's got a lot of time on his hands these days. Yeah. So. <laughs> he's making cartoons and stuff about, about China. So I don't know. <laughs> right, that. But then you talk about shooters on the perimeter. And, you know, that's another role that I think Boston is going to have to think about. You know, obviously you've got, you know, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. I think Peyton Pritchard's a player that has not been talked about an incredibly, uh, you know, large amount this year. He might be a guy that's got a much bigger role as we kind of go forward now with Romeo Langford gone, with Dennis Schroeder gone. Could be a guy who, who kind of sneaks into the rotation a little bit, I think, over the next, next couple of weeks if he plays well uh, as, a, as a potential shooter to hop in there. And then the guy that we've all kind of been waiting for to take that next step is Aaron Naismith. Oh, man. You know, does he take the jump? Aren't so, we ever? <laughs> we <been> waiting. <laughs> Just waiting. The, the, just... The, 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 the doors of the window is wide open right here for him to kind of take that next step and take that role. But, I mean, it was something I said a year ago when, when he came on and, and, and people were talking about him was that, you know what, 
for all due respect to him as a player. And I think he's going to, I think there's still a player in there. I, I, I have faith, but one of the most difficult things in the NBA is for a young shooter to come into the league and be a knockdown shooter. It is very rare that if that's your number one characteristic as a player, that you just show up in the league and you immediately immediately are able to do it. Because you can even think back to some of the great shooters of the last generation or so. Kyle Korver was not a superstar shooter, was not a superstar sharpshooter in the first couple of years of his career. He had to grow into it. Even J.J. Reddick to yeah, an extent yeah. had to grow into it a little bit. You know, you, It's very difficult to take that college shooter, perimeter guy, and that's your number one characteristic, and just show up in the NBA and say, well, I'm just going to be a shooter here too. You know, it's, it, it takes a certain type of player, and he may have to grow into it a little bit. So if that's the case, you may want a guy who has the experience, who's been in the league, to hop in here and take, you know, call it 15, maybe 20 minutes a night to be able to make sure that if you are struggling from the perimeter that he can spread it out for you. Maybe Doogie Hauser can do it. I don't know. We'll find out. Maybe maybe Joe Johnson, you know. <laughs> yeah, hey, hey, I saw Joe. What's he doing this week? Yeah, if any, if anything uh, with this trade is bought, uh, needs me a little more time to develop, yes. and there and, yes. and I think it's it's like all right, it's it's now or never with you. So like you know, get it together, get in, get it when you when you have the minutes available. Like you know, knock down the shots, like all the other you know the hustle plays and the, and the and the great effort you know stuff that with when it comes with him and you know the crashing you know on the floor that's all good and well but. If you're not knocking down shots, it's like you know what else? What else can we can we can we use you for? Like what else? You know, is Eme gonna look upon him to be like, yo, I need you to do this right now? If it's not shooting, then I don't know what it is. What what's what's his what's his his thing? <laughs> when it yeah. comes to no, this. no, I, I agree. I think you know for Aaron Naismith right now, I think the number one thing he should be doing is watching tape of Jay Crowder. Watch tape of Jay Crowder and what he made his 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 money off of. Uh, playing in Boston is just be a three and D guy. And, you know, listen, he might have a more expansive game a year, maybe two years down the road, but learn just those simple things. Find, you know, find a spot on the perimeter when all these guys are trying to get to the rim and doing all their ISO stuff, find a spot, settle in and knock down those open shots. You know, I think that is, is what he needs to be able to do offensively, defensively, be physical, be aggressive. And no, the thing for him is like, Listen, you've got six fouls, you know, foul, you know, as part of your defensive game, you know, strategy, because if he ends up the game, he fouls out at the end of the game, really doesn't hurt you all that much. No, you know, as long as you're not giving them baskets uh, in turn, you know, be a physical guy that's going to be able to do that. And I think that's where his mindset should be. And we saw a little bit of that late last season, that it felt like he was starting to get a comfort as that type of player. And, you know, this is this is about that time last year where we saw him take off a little bit. So maybe with now a, a few more minutes available to him, uh, especially over the next couple of weeks, maybe you see him take off and maybe you don't need another guy on the perimeter, you know, which would be a really great thing for the team. But, you know, uh, again, I mean, in, in the buyout market, maybe one big, maybe one shooter. Personally, I like the backcourt and the depth they have there at this point. I don't think you need another ball handler. Um, I think you can stay away from that, but um, you know, one more guy that you know, one. I I don't think the Kyle Corvers fall off of trees nearly as much as they you know you you would hope they would. So it's going to be a little difficult there. But um, you know, one guy that can maybe knock down some shots. You know, a guy that'd be ideal is a guy like Joe Ingles, who's no longer got an ACL or an NBA team anymore. But <laughs> no, you know, not so, at all. So, so, somebody like that. But I don't. I, don't, I really don't know if that's. The NBA is a shooting league, so you know shooting's at a premium, and it's very difficult to find those types. So, but if somebody was available, that's where my eyes would be. Anyway, all right, we're gonna wrap up this episode the way we wrap up every single episode here on the Causeway Street Podcast when we take our trip around the NBA. In in case you missed it, in case you missed it, in case you missed it, in case you missed it. <laughs> so, I mean, we talked about you know James Harden that he's gonna be out through the All Star break, and it's a left hamstring that he's uh, trying to rehabilitate here. So still no timetable when he's coming back. But guess who's uh, who's replacing good old James Harden in the All-Star game? No, it's not Jalen Brown, unfortunately. <laughs> and that would be Cleveland Cavaliers' Jared Allen. Big old Jared Allen. Yeah, Jared Allen is replacing James Harden in the NBA All-Star game. 
Cleveland has two All-Stars this year, and the Celtics only have one. So let that marinate for a second because one of those All-Stars from Cleveland <laughs> is not LeBron James. So. Nah, bro. <laughs> just two, two seconds on this. I got into a fight with Kyle Draper on Twitter like six years ago. About Drapes? This. Oh, man. Drapes, Drapes is the man. But I got into an argument with him on Twitter about this. Like That must have been like five or six years ago. And it was an argument about Tim Duncan versus DeMarcus Cousins. Go figure. Go figure. <laughs> um, and it was like one of the last couple of years that Duncan was in the league and like San Antonio was still a really good team. And he was like, oh, yeah. He's like, you know, uh, Duncan's a guy that you got to give the spot. He was scoring like 12 points a game and had like five boards or something like that. I was like, James, I was like, dude, the all-star game is about individual performance. You know, it's, it is almost the, the hallmark of just like, this guy is putting up big numbers. He's killing the league. He's going to the all-star game. It's not about wins and losses. And I think, especially in this situation where you're seeing it with Cleveland, who, God bless them, they're having a great year. They got some players who are really figuring out this year. They're, 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 they're way ahead of schedule. But some of the guys, like, like Jared Allen, like do, do Jared Allen, like what is he? I, I might have to go look at the stat line after this, but it, there's no way. There's no way over Jalen Brown. That makes any sense. So it's like the individual player. And that's why I've always saw the All-Star game. It is, listen, there was a time, there was a point in time in 1997-1998 where Antoine Walker was in the All-Star game. And the Celtics won like five games in the first half of the year. It's about the individual players. So for me, it bothers me. It bothers me in a weird way. I don't get it. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to text uh, Adam Silver about that. You know, I was even thinking. You know, apparently, you know, Tatum's text wasn't went went on red or it just went by the wayside. But we got to step it up here when it comes to the text game with uh with uh, Mr. Adam Silver here. <laughs> uh, so, but um, I know I agree. It's it's one of those things where, yeah, you do want to reward winning, but yeah. at the same time, it's it's you know you got to find the balance here, right? Yeah. You know, I, I get it. There weren't that many big men that made the all-star team essentially, but because you took away the, the positionings, right? Yeah. It's yeah. only, it's, it's pretty much backcourt and frontcourt. That's what it is. Guards and, and everyone else. It's like, I get it, but I mean, not to give, not taking away from Cleveland, but you know, it, it, is, it is what it is, unfortunately. But because it's also in Cleveland, I, I figured that that plays a big part of it. That, yeah, no, that's a good point. That's a very good point. You know, Cleveland hasn't had anything going on there for quite some time. I mean, it hasn't been that long, actually, since LeBron left, but still. It's, it feels it feels longer than it's really been. Yeah, yeah. And you just mentioned, you know, 97, 98. I think that was the last time the, the, uh, the All-Star game was in Cleveland. Wow. Like, none of the, like, the, the whole, the, the two stints that LeBron spent there and then the All-Star game was never in Cleveland. Go figure. But, yeah. So, but speaking uh-huh. of James Harden. There was a quote here from a a, a, a Brooklyn Nets executive on uh, one of the reasons why uh, Harden wanted out of uh, Brooklyn, and according to this uh, you know unnamed source here, that there was like a a growing rift between James Harden and Kyrie Irving, and and the, and the quote goes like this: Kyrie beat James Harden one on one almost every day in practice, and Kyrie was barely even in basketball shape. It demoralized Harden. Things reached a breaking point when Kyrie called Harden washed after completely locking him up in one scrimmage. An assistant had to break up the two as tempers flared and the relationship spiraled downward from there. End quote. I mean, you're going to get a lot of these uh, little stories or reports of uh, Harden. I heard one report that Harden wanted the same freedom that he had in Houston, where he was able to run the offense however he wanted to run the offense. Right? I don't think from a from a, a standpoint of him wanting out of Houston, I don't think he ever wanted to go to Brooklyn. I think he always wanted Philly. Philly was always at the top of his list. You know, he got lucky that Ben Simmons wanted out. And the fact that uh, the 76ers didn't trade Ben Simmons right away. They held on to le- legit the last, very last second. And you can't tell me that that, you know, other than what they make, that they're in the same category or same level of a basketball player right even though one one plays defense and the other one doesn't (laughs) one shoots and the other one can't (laughs) so but uh overall 
I think I think both teams win here, especially if they if they're healthy. Both teams win here in this uh, in this uh, this trade, but at the same time, I think Harden also wanted out because because Kyrie is the wild card. You don't know what's gonna what's gonna happen with Kyrie, <laughs> right? It's a play. It's a play way of putting it. Like the fact that the fact that you know Brooklyn uh, offered Harden a, 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 an extension in the off season, and he's just like, wait, let's see, let's see how this upcoming season goes first, and in the middle of the season, still try to offer him again, and he, and then he. He comes out and says, "Actually, I'm going to test free agency." And so, you know, what does Brooklyn, what does what does Brooklyn do? You got Steve Nash, literally like a day and a half before the trade deadline, uh, answering questions about if he's getting traded or not. And he and and he essentially was like, "No, James Harden is going nowhere." But yet, James Harden quietly, quietly on the trade deadline was like, "Yo, I want out." <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's a, it's 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 a little weird how this thing all played out, and the fact that. I think a couple of weeks ago, uh, I reported actually here on on uh, in case you missed it that that the NBA was uh, at some point if this deal went through, if the stray went through, or 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 any way that James Harden became a seventy six or that it was going to be an investigation on how that happened. So yeah, let's see if that's true or not <laughs> going forward here. <laughs> yeah, definitely strange, and I mean it's it's kind of sad in the in this sense that the NBA is in this weird kind of era where players i think their loyalties to teams are very very little and i know the argument i think for a lot of people are you know why why would they you know why do they have to be i you know for me it's just sad for like a guy like james Harden. now he goes to philly let's say he doesn't win he's obviously i think started the decline in terms of the prime of his career this guy could very easily not win a ring. And I think at some point we're going to look back on that career and say, you know, what was it really worth? You know, you had this great offensive players, great offensive force who forces way out of Houston, forces way out of Brooklyn, never won a damn thing. And then, you know, you know what is it really all worth at that point? And, you know, it's, it's too bad because the guy's a fantastically talented offensive player, one of the great offensive players of this generation. And I think, you know, for me anyway, and maybe I'm a little fickle, but I'm going to remember him as a guy that just wanted to get out of town and, you know, he would just stomp his feet and whine about it whenever he wanted to leave. So it's, it's, it's too bad. Ben Simmons, on the other hand, I'll be curious to see how he fits in Brooklyn because I just don't think he's got the DNA of a winner. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. <laughs> <laughs> just, I, I just think he's as soft as all hell. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah, no, not only is he soft as all hell, but he's been, he's been spoiled his, ever since he learned how to play basketball. Like yeah, if you, yeah. If you hear, you know, some of these uh, these stories from, you know, different different outlets since he was like in middle school, since like his AAU days, he's always been someone that's like overrated to a certain extent, uh, and and he thinks he's better than what he actually is, and doesn't think he has to improve on his game like that. Like, like where he's at is like, nope, I'm I'm good. Like it's you guys that need to change or or get me out of here. Type of attitude that he has, and unfortunately, you know, he ended up uh, getting his way. Yeah, it, I mean, one more weird thing about Ben Simmons for the people out there, just to, just to think of you know the way that things bounce around in my head, it kind of starts to make you think like you think back to when he was like choosing a college. Like we knew, I mean, we knew he was a consensus top one, top two player in the entire world going into his college, uh, you know, his, his college eligibility. And I don't know if anyone else thought about, but like, why the why did he end up at LSU? You know, and this is starting to make you think that, like, well, maybe some of the bigger schools just said, "F this guy." Like, you don't want <laughs> yeah, right. to, you know, go go to LSU, go be a you know national player of the year candidate, win nothing. You know, Coach K didn't want to deal with them. Roy Williams didn't want to deal with them. I mean, all the big schools. I wonder if this was something that they all kind of knew and just didn't really talk about. They said, "This guy's or, a dick. I don't want anything to do with him." Or he just wanted to be a, a big fish in a small pond. Also very possible. Yeah. I don't know. Just very, very strange. Looking back on why things and how things happened with him at this point in his career, it starts to be like, uh, it makes a little bit more sense now. Very true. Very true. One last thing I'll say about Harding though, the, in the 18 months since he asked to be uh, traded out of Houston, now that there's a, that this new rule has been in place where, you know, you can't just like jump into your, like your defender that's affected his game more than anybody. Oh, yeah. else. And you can see, like, like you said, you start to see a little bit of the decline here. 
statistically he's having his worst season. You know, shooting percentage from the field and from three. And his uh, free throws uh, attempts have gone way down. So you're right. It'll be interesting to see how uh, he he fits in, in in Philly. Like on paper, it seems like it's a no-brainer, right? But Yeah. All right. In case you missed it, Tariq Evans. You remember him? Really? A little, little blast from the past here. Sure. Uh, the NBA has reinstated the former guard. According to uh, ESPN, he was suspended from the league back in 2019 with a drug ban. Okay, okay. Evans, now 32. Uh, if you remember, he was the uh, 2010 NBA Rookie of the Year. And during his uh, his time in the NBA, he played with the Kings, the Pelicans, the Grizzlies, and the Pacers. And right now, he's been working out in Miami with John Wall. I don't know why John Wall is in Miami, but <laughs> that's uh, that's what's been going on with uh, with Evans here. <laughs> so uh, maybe uh, maybe something to take a look at him. I don't know. Uh, he was, if I remember correctly, in my time talking to uh, Causeway Street, he was a trade target at the deadline. I want to say twenty, probably twenty seventeen, maybe twenty eighteen, maybe twenty eighteen deadline. I remember that vividly, being like, "Ooh." Ooh, it's going to be Reek, and it never yeah. happened. Yeah, it never happened. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> it, was, it was one of those Danny Ainge trade deadlines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, the uh, the NBA uh, released a statement here saying that uh, Evans was dismissed and disqualified from the league back on May 17th of 2019 for testing positive for prohibited substance under the NBA NBPA anti-drug program. And still, to this day, we don't know what the... Uh, what he tested positive for, but he's been out in Europe since. So good for him, I guess. He's you know been reinstated. Anybody's going to pick him up? That's another question, but we shall see. Welcome back. All right. And last but not least, in case you missed it, the Super Bowl was was all the rave because of uh, the halftime show. You got all these celebrities that were out at the, at the game. We saw LeBron James, right? You know, up 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 in the uh, up in this in, in a suite there because the game was in it was in LA, and and of course after the Rams won, Mister Bron Bron here had to voice his uh, his two cents on Twitter, and this is what he had to say: We Dodgers and Rams should all do a joint parade together with the live concert afterwards to end it. City of Champions, congrats once again. So, three championships makes you the city of champions. Hmm. Question mark? <laughs> like, you just, I'll tell you this. this is, I think this is what has to be stressed in this moment, is that LeBron James is the GOAT at being the biggest douchebag of all time. This is by far the greatest douchebag of all time. That's all I got for him. It's like, it's, all I got for him. it's like, yo, my man, how are you talking about <laughs> a parade when your team is horrible right now? Like to the to the point where, you know, every day the talking heads are like that they were supposed to make a move and it didn't happen. You know, uh, have Westbrook come off the bench uh, is this should AD be traded in on the offseason? Like your team is in turmoil right now, and mind you, Cleveland <laughs> is third in the Eastern Conference, and the Lakers—they'll be lucky if they get you know the, to to be in the play-in tournament. Like, why are you? I don't know. <laughs> I can't. I can't with this dude. He, he just—he's. The sad part is, you know, and just being real for a minute, like. LeBron James coming out of high school was like one of the maybe the most hyped. NBA prospect of all time. He comes in and he delivers on a lot of it, which was just crazy. He was as good as advertised coming into the league. He spends all that time in Cleveland. He works his ass off. And I think most of America loved him. Most of America throughout the course of that time, he goes to Miami and he just started to get funny after that. I'm going to, I'm going to use the term funny because he just got weird. Like he just lost, he, like his concept of reality just started to like get to this weird like level of like, dude, you blew two finals down there in Miami with the, one of the greatest trios of players of all time. You go back to Cleveland, you build a super team, and you still barely get it done one time. 
And then he drives off to, to L.A., which now he's gone completely off the reservation. He wins a bubble championship, which count it for whatever you want. And the stuff he says all along the way, you're just like, dude, are you still on planet Earth? Like, who, who is with you? Where are your friends? Who are you hanging out with that is giving you this information that you're like, you know, you say and you believe the shit that you do? Like, he's just like, he's so far gone from just like a normal guy that you're like okay i love that guy coming out of akron i love that kid like you know you were you were rooting for him now it's like dude what the what are you talking about and he just does it every single day how about the commercial the commercial for the super bowl oh when he's talking to his uh, his 18 year old oh my god i'm watching that just like you are just the biggest asshole of all time i can't even i can't deal with it and you know what you can listen if this airs and you got the LeBron fans out there and they're sitting there like, okay, like, you know, this guy's obviously a LeBron hater. Yeah. I mean, for the most part I am, you know, I get it, but there's no time where I look back and I was like, well, even MJ, who I was not, a, not really a fan of, but like, he just never had those moments where he opened himself up for you to just be like, this guy's just a giant dick. That's all he is. Like you just never had that time frame. And I mean, there's been so few players that have done it on the level that he has in terms of just being, it's just all about him. It's just all about him all the time, and he just never shuts it off. And it just blows my mind. He's he's got no level of like comprehension for reality anymore. It just it's just shocking to me that he's that, that that's what he is at this point. He said something else the other day too, didn't he? He was like, um, "Oh, uh, uh, Tom Brady retiring." Yeah, he was like, "Oh, a piece of me, a piece of me died with Tom Brady." It was like. What relationship do you have to Tom Brady, man? Like zero. He didn't play for your Cowboys or your 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 Cleveland Browns or whatever bullshit team you want to pretend to be a fan of. Oh man, he just makes me sick. I can't do it. Cannot do it. <laughs> no, I mean you're nicely said. By the way, I just, just like uh, I'm sorry. I had to rant it, on that. No, nah, it's uh, you know you know <laughs> speak on it, my man. Speak on it, but. <laughs> It's, you know, you you know, you got a point here. It's it's one of those one of those things where it's just like you know the social media world that we live in, and yep. it's like yep. you know people kind of hang on to the stuff that you say. And I mean, granted, he's having a he's having a hell of a season, you know. Oh, he's one of the greatest players of all time, no question. Numbers wise, you know, he's 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 breaking, he's passing, you know, legendary players on on whatever list you wanna you wanna look up here. Uh, and it, you know when it's all said and done, he'll be one of the you know best players to to ever play the game. But absolutely, you know, it's just some of the things that come out of his mouth, or you know, <laughs> when he when he tweets or whatever, you know, on social media, he just always has you at times like scratching your head, like what? Like, yeah, right. yeah, just 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 don't. Like if he said nothing, he'd be better off than where he is most days. Like, can it's you like- imagine? Like you know, like the the, <laughs> the city of Los Angeles, like you know what, LeBron. Yeah, you're right. Let's, let's do that. You know, you know, two seasons it's removed. It's the one place on earth that that might yeah. actually play though. Two seasons like, removed from your, you know, yeah. from your bubble championship. Even though you guys are playing like <laughs> shit this year, uh, you know, we just give you know the Dodgers deserve, you know, to to be on the same, you know, uh, uh, whatever they use to do their 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 championship, uh, their 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 parades out there. You guys should all be on the same, you know, modes of transportation that go through the city. And yeah, let's throw in the Rams in there as well. Like, what are you talking about, my dude? Like, shut up! Like, just because you didn't get the 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 the, the parade that you're you're used to getting, doesn't mean that you know the city has to oblige what you say. You know, eighteen months or whatever, almost two years later, get out of here! Like, come on, win another championship, and then you know maybe the city will be like, yeah, yeah, just that that's that's novel concept. That's how you but... solve that. <laughs> you know, Jesus, <laughs> that's gonna do it for this. Uh, with this uh, wacky edition here of the In Case You Missed It. <laughs> Check us out on all social media platforms at Causeway Street. Head up CausewayStreet.com for all your rumors, news, and opinions. Hit us up on Patreon. Subscribe to uh, Patreon.com slash Causeway for some exclusive content. We talk about all types of shit on there, right? We're not just basketball when it comes to the, to, to the Patreon page here. It's life. We talk about life and a nice little uh, a thing we like to call the after hours, okay? Causeway after hours. So, you know, hit us up there. That's patreon.com slash causeway. All right. And uh, you know, gotta give props to my co host here for for stepping in. Zach, where can they find you on the uh on the interwebs these days? Uh at OTW Sports Radio on Twitter. 
uh, still active and still always looking for a, a, a nice uh, verbal altercation on, on Twitter. That's always, where we do our best work. Always looking <laughs> for a sparring partner, if you will. Yeah, yeah. I, typically only Celtics fans that are too happy. I like to just bring you down a few notches. And not just, 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 not just that, all sports, all sports. He'll, all sports. He'll, he'll all talk sports. to you about anything on there. On, on there. Don't come, come with the negative attitude. You yeah, here, here, here. He's like, positive, ain't gonna want He's like the he's like the, this is the PG version of Zach on here, but on Twitter, it's, yeah, yeah, that's his alter ego, OTW, alter ego, right there. It's true, <laughs> it's very true. But yeah, no, look forward to anyone who uh, who wants to interact. We're we're very active. I try to get on there multiple times a day, so always open to the conversation, always open to ideas. You know, I love hearing uh, different things out there. We got a lot of uh, a lot of really good guys that we talk to on there. That you know, sometimes we disagree, sometimes we agree, and. You know, it's a, we always keep it fun, that's for sure. So, at OTW Sports Radio. And, of course, he's also a writer for CausewayStreet.com. So, I'm, I'm waiting for this for this next piece because I know it's going to be more on the positive side because, you know, yeah, things change when, when winning happens, right? We, uh, we are due. With, playoff, with playoff basketball on the uh, on the, uh, the, the the upcoming agenda, I think we've got something that we're going to have to start working on here. We're going to have to get a few pieces out. So, looking forward to it. No more speculation of who's going, who's going to get traded or who should get traded. That's that's over and done with at least for this season because then you got the off season and so forth. But yeah, we're looking forward here to what's going to happen in the next month, month and a half, and we got plenty of shit to talk about. All right, so things to look forward to. Finally, looking forward to some good stuff. Hell yeah! And as always, a Black Lives Matter. Let's stop aging hate and let's pray for peace in the Middle East. And until next time. We are out. <laughs> <laughs>